Join us as we open another file in the Markov dossier. File number Xi Ocean 12026090. Sir Luton, and welcome to this episode of the Markov Dossier, a dystopian age podcast. Today, myself and Sam. Still working on a greeting. Hi. Uh, are going to do a faction of for the Hex. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a deep dive into the lore of the Hex. Now, these are, uh, as for those players that know, a major faction of the Wild West Exodus setting, but I think the the effects of what they do to the world can be felt right through the dystopian age, I think it's fair to say. Yep, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so where do you want to start? Let's start with what is the hex in itself? Okay, yep, that's a, that's a damn good place to start. So the hex is an alien intelligence isn't the right word because that's exactly what the hex isn't it's not an intelligence it's more of a you know if it's not an intelligence suppose it's more of an emotional life form an energy source of power but without a guiding intelligence it has come from space in the form of four ginormous crystals called hex seeds and they have crashed onto earth in the far past of the dystopian of the dystopian world we're talking in the prehistoric times they crashed into the earth in four places around the earth and they started immediately to affect the life around them well, depending on if they could reach intelligent minds the power source looking for an intelligent mind to latch on to and grow its influence so when the hex seeds crashed into earth the first one of the first civilizations they found was on the island of Thera, a human tribe there, and they began to influence in subtle ways. And it's not all, if you've seen hex models, you'll know um, gribbly mutations or something. There is also creativity, um, drive, etc, etc. It doesn't have to be the horribleness that we see in Wild West Exodus of the hex gone wrong with the huge pustules and things. It is more an influence of the mind. Yes, it's it's mentioned quite heavily in the Celestial Empire. One of the seeds they are using to enlighten themselves with and, and prolong life with it. It doesn't appear that like any of the stuff we've seen so far has any of that. Like you say, the pustules or the grotesque growths and and so on. Yeah, it would seem that the Empire is probably the best case scenario of bonding with the hex and how it works and in the greater look of it if there's going to be hope for the for the earth of this from not being wiped out by the hunt by the order who hunt the hex and hate them and and so far annihilated 17 planets in their in their bid to destroy them it may lie with the empire who can show maybe a third way a way that is not what we've seen, what the order has seen before, and it may be a better way for them. So maybe that's a 
we're talking, we're guessing now, long term in the future for where, for where Will Crater wants to take this plot. Maybe there's a, maybe that's uh, a key there. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it almost feels like the order or a more intelligence to the hexes, emotional, like a, a yin and yang. A yin and I actually have got some theories on that. Yeah, I do actually have a theory. It, it's heavily hinted at in the in the fluff of the of the Wild West Exodus book that they are they're not just alike; they are severely linked. If you read the orders, <laughs> basically, I think that once upon a time, the Hex and the Order were one species, and they did the whole enlightened mind jump thing, and the and we created the Order, the All Shard. They uploaded their consciousness of pure logic, leaving behind all the emotional bits, which became the hex. Yep. They are, it, met, it says it very clearly in the um, in the orders thing. They describe it as a stain left behind. I'm just trying to find the relevant page for that for the order. Um, so there, that's that's my theory. They are one, they were once one and the same, and the order is rather desperate to, to try and forget that it was ever part of each other. It's trying to achieve pure enlightenment on its own. In its own terms, by trying to cut, cut off part of itself, a real, a literal Jekyll and Hyde. Yep, yeah, and it makes sense, like a yin and a yang, and, and it also yeah. makes sense that that emotional response it sort of it attaches to those lonely, sort of desperate people, um, mm. because that's quite a, a strong emotion. But also from the uh, Celestian Empire, where it, it it's a very tranquil peaceful sort of philosophy uh, they it sort of embraced that very chilled perspective i guess yeah i think i think that's i think we've i think we've got it there of course only Stuart and chris would actually know the truth but i don't think we're too far off it when we say these things no this is all pure speculation but hey that's okay. that's why we're here yeah, we're mining pure speculation from the river of fiction. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Great nuggets of it. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> ah, here it is. It's on page 97, and the paragraph is called A Shadow Arises. So it's literally the first page of the Order's uh, fluff in the WX rulebook. So it says... Within the Order's ever-widening understanding of the universe, they began to sense the encroachment of a familiar shadow from the universe they had left behind. The morass was known to them as the Hex, a relic of a life long forgotten. Right at the bottom of page 97, that. Now, if that doesn't tell you that the Hex and the Order were once one, one, I don't know. know, They couldn't really make that much clearer, could they? But it's just in there very quickly and you'd skip over that unless you're looking for it yeah yeah it's quite an important they, they are very much tied together yes they are one and they are one and the same flip sides of the coin mm-hmm. yeah which i guess is why it's a it's an interesting concept to put in with the celestian empire because obviously <sighs> yin and yang and Within the within the darkness, there is still light. If you look at the yin yang symbol, that's what the small circles are re- represent. Yep. If I remember rightly. So coming back to the hex. 
So we've got the four tenebr oh, they're called tenebrae seeds, if I think I'm pronouncing that right. The four crystals that are on Earth. One landed in the uh, island of Thera, which bonded with them. And th that shortly after that, they encountered the Watchers, who were rather curious to see how the uh, humanity had made such a big jump with the technology of Atlantis, because that's what essentially Thera is, it's uh, Atlantis. Uh, they investigated, and what? And in the course of the investigation, some of the Watcher, Watcher party fell or became one with the Hex, but in particular, a Cerulean Vixen. And when the rest of the Watchers came to, back to investigate what had happened to that party, well, they didn't like what they see, and they pulled in aliens and nuked the site from orbit. It was the only way to be sure, except it wasn't. Yes. That's another theory, which we won't go into this time. We'll leave that till the end. <laughs> we'll leave that to the end. Yeah. And once that had happened, they came, the watchers went away and came back, but the hex grew its influences in other places. There was a hex seed in Europe, which began finding uh, much more desperate people in Europe, the poor, the dispossessed, the power hungry, all the worst aspects of humanity the hex was latching onto and offering itself as a, as a source of relief, comfort, and power for those people. And from that grew the Dark Council of Europe, which is the clandestine shadow organization of people who are uh, very aware of the Hex and its powers, and they are intermeshed with all the higher echelons of society, right down to the lowest. A vast network of, you could call it cultists in one case, power hungry, those that can, those behind the scenes, twitching, twitching, pulling the strings, and yep. making the world move in the direction they want. Um, so the Dark Council of Europe, and then meanwhile in America, the other one of the other hex seeds was starting its domination of the area, uh, having landed in the swamps of New Orleans uh, around Louisiana with the look of it, and it clay and it's one of its first connections was with uh, the Nzombu witch Marie Lavu Lavu. How do you say Marie's second name? Do you think it's French? Lavu, uh, I would say. Marie Lavu who claimed the artifact as her own power source to rule over the denizens of the bayous as her queen, as their queen. Okay, channeling the energy and becoming a beacon for all those who touched by Hex in the past. So she's drawing them all in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she's easily one of the oldest things on the planet. Yeah. She must be thousands of years old. And she's another good example of the Hex, the hex isn't always evil. It's... Um, she doesn't do any of the things that she does out of um, anger or spite or, you know, no. cardboard cut out evil guy per stuff. Um, it's all to protect her people and her, their way of life and so on. By all, have a have a read of her, the fluff that you can see for her when you buy, when you look in the web store. Always a good place to read read source material. The web store and it talks about her being a midwife and a mother and a healer to the people of the swamps. Uh, 
when she's in her own domain, she openly walks around in her natural form, the one with the big tentacles. That's her natural form. And no one minds. They they treat her as as a goddess almost. Yeah. Um, she is. It's only when she leaves the form that she has to for, use the glamour to look the, like the beautiful young woman she can do. But also in um, in the states, in the American continent, as it were, at the time, um, there is also not just the shepherdess, but the, one of the other. Uh, sections of the dark council there is the beast lords the beast animals of carcosa rex and his kind okay his people are far older than humans they lived on earth way before us but since we've arrived we have hunted them down driven them out and they are as you can imagine rather bitter about that and the hex offers them power to get back what was once theirs Okay. It's said that the the great the great spirit that the native that the warrior nation um, worship was ashamed of them and cast them out by their bestial nature and abandoned them in favour of creating humanity. So, competing for resources in those early days, the human usurpers hunted the Carcosa almost to extinction. Now, Rex and his kind numbered less than three dozen, having heard the call of the Hex. And perhaps by joining them, Rex hoped he could obtain salvation for the Carcosa, which he so desperately, desperately sought, and of course, revenge on, on mankind. So again, another example of not entirely evil, um, but I suppose with the Carcosa, definitely not, if you're a human, definitely not one of the good guys either. They are certainly going to kill you. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's the more sort of outcast, harboring anger and um, resentment um, of humanity that's uh, that's driving them and that's, that's driven them into the hex. So, and then so we've looked at so you could say Marie represents one of the good sides of the hex. Carcosa Rex represents the in between, and at the other end of that, you've got the third man. And there, this is this is your out and out evil character. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's any redeeming features in the third man. He's a European. He's come over and he joined the council in the West by, and he did that by killing an entity known as the Shepherdess, who I believe was the surviving uh, Cerulean from the island of Thera. Yeah, that's okay. what it uh, says. That's, it's hinted very strongly. It isn't specifically said. and um, Which brings up another. If she survived, who else did from that island? And I'm really, really hoping that somewhere out there, somewhere along the line, we're going to get some dark watchers or hexed watchers or whatever you want to call them. I like to call them lurkers. That's my that's my, that's my, my name for them, lurkers. Trademark me. <laughs> be interested to see what they actually get called when they do turn up. Um, so that and the dark and the third man absolutely annihilated the shepherdess and took her place on the council. Interestingly, I asked a while ago, does the third man have a proper name? I'm not expecting Stuart to tell me, of course, what it was. I just wondered if they'd actually gone down the plot route of yes, this is actually his name, and we do have a backstory for him. Yeah. And yes, he has a name. So I'm guessing they have a whole backstory plotted out for this third man of exactly who he is. He's probably somebody influential in the world, but of course, hidden by the hood, nobody knows who he really is. Yeah. 
One last thing to talk about with the Dark Council is, of course, you can't mention the Dark Council without mentioning its rogue member, Dr. Carpathian. A member of the Dark Council connected to the uh, hive mind that the Hex gives you when you connect to the Hex. However, he had other plans for the Hex Seed and he successfully stole the European Hex Seed, stuck it in a casket that uh, of made of stagidium so no one else could detect it, which instantly broke the network in Europe, ran across uh, the Atlantic with it and took it to America where if you read, of course, read the histories of both the Hex and the Enlightened, you all know he took it across to America where he was bombarded by the Union General Odysseus Grant, which puts in motion uh, him being embittered, his wife being dead, and his whole nihilistic outlook on life where essentially he's uh, trying to be Nero and burning the world and does not care. Yeah, it sort of kicks off the, the more... Yeah. Um, recent history of yeah, more, the more history age. of the enlightened and, and sort of railroaded them to the where they are in North America now. Um, yes. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> it is indeed a story for another time. But if you have not read, because there'll be the, dystop- the pure dystopian wars players who have not read this stuff, they won't have seen this on the day. By all means, go to the Wild West Exodus website. The rule book with all the fluff in there is free to download. And if you really want to know how did the dystopian age get the way it is, three sections to pay most attention to are the Hex, the Watchers, and the Order. Because they are responsible for moving the world in the way it is through uh, from prehistory through to today. Yeah. And that'll tell you where a lot of the weird tech that we get comes from. And, and then I'd say probably enlightened after after you've read those three is also yes. And then the enlightened who this is what they did with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty much all the the lore overview of of the hex. Um, so let's have a look at some of the main characters. We've already talked about the third man a little bit. Um, he's the head of the council in America now. So yeah. And de facto, uh, possibly the world of the Dark Council. He's clearly one of the most powerful men on the planet in terms of sorcery and use of that. Not somebody you'd want to mess with, especially as he has Creature always by his side, who's an astounding model. Love that. Yeah, he's probably one of my favourite models. Um, We'll get to that soon as well. Um, So on the table, he's... He's not a cheap model, but he's not. He's by means not the most expensive one in the hex. Um, he's got a good amount of fortune, full fortune. He's got lots of range stuff to put out there, and yeah. tons of messing with other people. Yeah, he's the he's the epitome of the hex uh, playstyle, which is muck around with other people's uh, stuff. Yeah, definitely. He nicks abilities. He mucks around. Does he muck around? Has he got card mucking? Yes, he has, yeah. Well, yeah, he's got car mucking around, he nicks your abilities. He can really cripple um, another another force if you get too close to him. He's also got impervious, which means you ignore the fatal quality completely. <laughs> oh my god. But he does only But he's only able to kill a creature right next to him. Uh, he's only got a grit of five, so you know, he he can 
he can be taken out, but you've, you, I think you have to wade through creature first, don't you? Yep, yep. Yeah, because yeah, I think creature is essentially a walking meat shield for him. So you have to kill creature before you can take anything on him. Yeah, and the rest of his posse is nasty as well. With some very interesting characters in there. Next, we will move on to Wikasansi. I thought I'd say that. So I let you butcher all the Russian last week, so I'd have a go. <laughs> it's all right for you. There's nobody that's <laughs> can, can, they, can they correct then, you on your thing. The only people that are going to be sitting in the chairs, shaking their heads, going, no, that is not how you pronounce it. It's Stuart and Chris and... and that's probably about it. Everybody else is just going to go, I think it's Wikisansi. I'm not sure. Another boss, she's the split soul of. Walks I always get this wrong. Walks looking. Okay. Walks looking. Yes, yeah, it. I, I can never remember a name. I always get it mixed up with something else. Like Interestingly, she's the split soul. From the way it is, it, Walks looking has two models she has her regular and her legendary. Her regular is supposedly her before the split, when she was starting to lose her mind. Her legendary is after the split, when her father has uh, saved her. Yep. So Wizard Can See is that, because they're both legendary. So that's what the said. But it, you know, it's a nice little nod to story there, which with the young walks looking is when she was slowly being possessed. She was very combat orientated and losing her mind, and she'd wake up and covered in blood and no idea how she got there and then we have legendary walks looking who's now half a soul desperate to kill with a wikisansi so that she can be one person again yep yep it's a really good story um she's got a lot of similar things where she's got um dark council which we'll talk about in a minute um but she's more combat focused um, yes she's this got the new fly to fight reaction as well which yes. means you can run if she just doesn't fancy the fight which to be fair like uh, it has to be uh, something pretty scary coming towards her for make her want to run away well you, you say <laughs> that like, much, there's not much she can't handle <laughs> she's she's not that great in in um, combat she's only got a fight of six and she's only got one melee weapon which is fell blades which is um piercing minus one rate of attack two she's got a limit of four i suppose so, i mean you can keep just but she I does she's have things to... on the other hand she has things like venerate extinctive strike hardy um yeah she's going to survive but she's not going to like she's not going to be let's say like definitely now a magenta alpha that just like whirlwind of death through a unit of hands like she'd struggle to take down a unit of 10 hands in hand-to-hand -hand combat in one turn with a limit uh, yeah now looking at that yeah i can see i see what you mean yeah she's uh, i think her strengths are more in uh you, so you've got things like embrace the hex so she can affect other models uh and dark, dark council. council yeah inspirational I mean, she's she's not like she's not a slouch in a fight, but no. at the same time, she's not like a killing machine. She's not. Uh, yeah, she's uh, another. Yeah, I get you. Okay, so yeah, she's, that's with Sanzi, who you get in the what's the what's the box called? Dark Nation. Dark Nation box set. Which, if you're looking for big models, 
and you want a nice group of big models, you can't go far wrong with get, picking that one up. I think everyone's on at least uh, medium base, aren't they? Yep, every single one of them. Yeah, and they are... If you like ugly models, if you like scary-ass monsters, you really are... This is the set for you. They are... Beauty, considering it's one of the very early sets, and it just goes to show how good War Cradles are, because even though it's one of the early sets, it still looks incredible. There's, the new sets get better and better, but this still looks incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's The detailing on, on them is beautiful. Um, they all have, although they're all monsters, they all seem to have an individual expression about them. Um, we've, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Uh, Wigasanzi is rage, yep. whereas another one like Carly, the big spider girl, looked to me. I always think she looks like she's in terrible pain. Yeah. Uh, the way her back is arced, the way her limbs are all taut, and the expression on her upside down face, it looks like a woman in extreme pain from the transformation she's gone through. Uh, and then you've got um, the tree walker Seke, Seki? Sek, 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 yeah. Her expression on her face is deranged joy. She's smiling from ear to ear. I think she is. She looks absolutely deranged. Yep. And then, how would you describe Nihonzi? Nihonzi? Um, she just looks feral, doesn't she? She's just sort of like it's a very like howling at the moon sort of pose. Oh, bit twisted as well. Her pose is kind yeah. of her, her back's arced um, again, so it looks kind of painful. She's like mid transformation. Yep. And what's the last one in the, in uh, the set? The Kamazots. Kamazots, the only male in the set as well. Yep. With his giant fiery wings. Giant um, fiery wings. Yeah. More like absolutely love how he looks painted I'm so nervous when I've got to if I've got to take him somewhere <laughs> those wings are not those wings are not sturdy are they no they're not they're not exactly um, like there's no pins for them they're flat surface to flat surface so oh. it's sort of like even a little bit of pressure either side of those and it's just going to pop them off even with the best super glue like you, you may have to pin them um, that's up to you I haven't because I'm lazy um but yeah, and he, he is again very sort of rage is, is yeah. pretty much how he looks. If I had one criticism criticism for this set, it's because it's an early one, the background fluff you get with the set is shorter. The fluff recently in the past year and a half, they've gone really well. Each character has a good chunk of paragraph about them. At yep. least paragraph about them. This one it's all about Wikisanzi, the fluff there, and they're barely mentioned yeah. who they are. And they're crying out for some more background detail. Who are these people? What happened to them? Wikisanzi essentially happened to them and corrupted them all. But what, you know, who were they beforehand? What happened? And so on. Yep. Do you, uh, so, yeah, that's my opinion there. So, and the last mention, member of the Dark Council, not of the Warrior Nation, Dark Nation, not in this set, but he's the legendary you buy to go along with them, is Volket. And you own him, you own him, so you talk about him, Scott. Uh, yep, he's a big, disgusting mole man who likes to eat people. That's pretty much summarizing what he is, what he's about, and his model is just 
amazing. I got to face him at the tournament last year, and my best suggestion is if you face him in a tournament, the best tactic you've got is run. <laughs> because he <laughs> does not die. He is just horrendous to face. Like, the, the reason he's I bought him was I was quick, just... No, he's not quick. He's only got a quicker four, so he's not he's not going anywhere quickly. Uh, he's on a large so base as well. If you're so. lucky and, and your opponent puts him on one side of the ball, you make damn sure you're on the other. Yeah, definitely. You you stay away from him <laughs> and you you fight everybody else you can until they're, they're gone and then just like stay away from him until the end of the game is, is the best play I would have. Even if you pile everybody into him, he's um, he's got Frenzy and he's got Counter-Strike so when you hit him, he hits you back and Frenzy <laughs> he, like if you get a critical success then you get a free strike and that free strike is still subject to Frenzy so you oh. could if you get on a good hot streak oof Oh, I'll give him my son then. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, can you imagine? It's just nice rolling. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. There's no one left on the board after turn one. <laughs> oh look, another ten. Another ten, and, a, and another. Oh my God! Please just stop. He's already dead. Um. Yeah, he's he's possibly in the past year I've done quite a few Wild West Exodus models. He has been probably my f favourite, maybe second favourite to paint, and he's just he's just come out so nice with such like if if you're a really good painter, you could do so much with him. Um, lots and lots of detail to paint on him. Yeah, he is just. Are you going to post? Yes. On the Markov page, you're going to put all your Pope painted ones up. I know uh, you've posted them before, but you might as well yes. again. Yeah, I'll do that again. Yeah, always, always put your paint because you are. I know you don't. I know you off. You are off. You are very modest about your painting, but you are really a good painter, a very, very good painter, and you need to show those off. So yeah, we'll definitely post those up. Next person, we've already touched on quite a bit already, but. I think she's she's worth mentioning again is Marie Laveau. She's got two models out, two two stat cards. You can't feel them both, obviously. Um, one is legendary Marie Laveau, who is the monstrous tentacled version, who is another model that you can try and run from. Um, but she's got a, a very good like quick <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at her stats. Yeah, you're not going to run far from that. No, she's um, <laughs> she is I mean she's worth the 200 points let's put it that way and then you've got the non-legendary version which is the human form which is more it's more of a support role um, less in your face smash stuff up I mean again yeah. she's not she's not a slouch in a fight um, she's got the hex bolt she's got dark council she's got an venerate and fight six she's not like she's not terrible but as you say her, her role in support cannot be underestimated with things like Venerate and Cursman the Zombie and Sawbones uh, her posse keeps on going it's like the Duracell bunny because they all have these abilities that bounce off each other to keep each other going you take one down and they just get back up again 
Yeah, and when you've got a giant cybernetic snake as a pet, um, that's what you want to worry about. <laughs> yeah, you, you just this um, her box set is a scary prospect on the table. If somebody puts all those models down, you got to fight on your hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cemetery criminal, nasty. Oh, messes, messes up your force very quickly with cemetery criminal. Hey, I'm just going to stick Nick half your stuff. Thank you very much. You can't use that anymore. Yeah, and, and there's the big um, hex beast character that I can never remember the name. Jax. That's it. Yeah, he's down. If you scroll down, I think he's um, support. Where is he? Ah, uh, yes, Jack Santiago. That's the one. Yeah, he is bottom of the support. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is a similar to creature, like a big nasty hex beast alternate, essentially. That's a lot more. What's the word I'm looking for? A lot more brutal, fighty dangerous yes um no whereas most hex beasts are simply uh, uh, yeah. uh, this one's got this one is much quicker yeah bull rush impervious forceful strike frenzy you just oh dear and unstoppable corrosive spray so they've got some engulf weapons there so they have got some range attack on it and then the frenzied and and uh, mighty hammer attacks from his mechanical leg arm thing so the next character we're going to talk about is dr now how do you pronounce this vital 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 i go vital okay i'll go with vital i asked clay how he pronounced his surname and he said it was vital so <laughs> it's, 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 it's character at the end of the day so he yep. should know yeah so i think dr vital is yet another aspect of the hex Dr. Beitel himself isn't necessarily evil. He's not necessarily good either, but he's, I think he's the creative, inquisitive drive of the Hex. Um, constantly pushing himself, constantly experimenting. He became desperate as his experiments didn't work. And eventually he's worked on this thing where he's essentially he's injecting RJ1027 into himself mixed with testosterone. And he went, he's gotten from a your average stereotypical meek scientist to this huge slab of muscle in a lab coat that we know we all know and don't want to get run into now. Yep. Uh, and he's got some nasty sort of he's he's indomitable, he's got high grit, he's got dying breath as well, which is quite nasty he's got mutagens which is sort of the um mutation keyword similar to court than a zombu uh, so yeah. he could bring someone uh, uh, he could bring a unit back a d5 yeah, if, if they're mutated which this entire posse is so yeah. he's he's the linchpin of the posse bringing them all yeah. back when he needs to yeah. um he's nasty i've never never seen the model in person but it looks really nice uh, it's, a, it's one that I'd be tempted to paint green for no for no reason honest well, to, yeah. <laughs> not, not referencing anything at all there at all no, definitely not. <laughs> no. Uh, what was it I think I saw his model at um, UKGE Quite I think possibly, it was on the yes. shelf I think it was on the shelf at one one of the years we went. Yeah, probably nine, probably nineteen. It would have been. 
Um, but yeah, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing that on the table yet. So the next character to talk about, which I know him again, is Carcosa Rex, who's a, another boss. We've already really talked about his backstory. Again, yeah. on the table, this guy has nastiness all over him. He is, <laughs> he is like melee and ranged weapons, both a piercing minus three. His, yeah, you don't want to get on the right, wrong set, wrong end of that gun of his. Yeah, his gun is rate of attack three, piercing minus three. Link, got, so you ha- link, so you get re-rolls on that. Brutal, so you're automatically getting an extra hit out of it automatically. And lethal, and on, a lethal on a lethal on a crit. You, yeah, that shoots you. Several models are going to fall down. Yeah, he is one of the few models that I faced. So he was part of the hex posse that I faced. It was him and Vorket on the same with oh. two Wendigos. Was it two Wendigos? <laughs> or one Wendigo? And Oh, I wasn't scared of him at all because I'd never faced him, never looked at his card or anything. I, I took down the two Wendigos with a a speaker cohort, I think. And uh, that that does surprise me because uh, Wendigos are notoriously nasty to play against because they uh, can just leap, but... they dish them out, they dish them out, guys. So so a speaker like the the. The yeah. Knicks have got like really nasty, really nasty weapons. However, it's one of the Carcosa Rex is one of the few people who managed to kill all of that unit in a game, and, and he did it in one shot basically. <laughs> so he's not a slouch. He's not someone to uh, what's it? And the model, I, I haven't seen it in person. Looking at the card, you don't expect it to be as large as it is. He is on a large base, and he's quite, quite a big model. Um, he's quite a chunky boy. I've seen the Christmas model in person. On again on the shelf, I have seen the Christmas model, and that yeah, that was big. Yeah, it, I, I don't know why, but I just didn't expect him to be. Like, I expected to be like a little, little goat boy, but no, he's just like a massive <laughs> doom machine. So, yeah, definitely uh, another guy to be keeping your eye on. Sticking with the... The, the Carcosa theme? Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, one of his posse, the pretty much at the moment, the only one of his posse that's actually available, apart from a Wendigo, Lokes. Yeah. Okay. So, Lokes is the big bear, cyber bear with the twin Gatling guns. And if that doesn't catch your attention, really, are you playing the right hobby? Um, because that is incredible to look at yep. as a model. Uh, so uh, it's, it's practically every internet meme chucked into it, <laughs> into one thing, isn't it? Yep, Cyber player yep. with a gap thing. It's a meme in all, it, in all, in all itself. Um, her backstory is pretty good. She's a, a member of Carcosa's Rex's party but she wants to be the one in charge or the one at least in second in charge but because she constantly argued with other members of the party Carcosa Rex chose someone else to be in charge and she hates him for that Um, also unusually she is the only it says she's one of the few Carcosa to actually embrace enhancements of the enlightenment which is why she's a cyber bear yep yep Uh, again I have seen the model it's gorgeous um it's huge. Uh, 
probably one of my next hex purchases once I've actually finished what's sitting on my desk. Which will be probably one of the next purchases I do for World West Exodus. I'm just looking at her card and I've just seen the braced rule. That's not good. No. Braced. During its activation, this you may spend an action point and remain stationary to ignore the special quality on one of its ranged weapons for the remainder of the activation. Now, the special quality normally means you can only shoot it once, which a uh, massive twin gat cannon has. So normally you'd only go, you'd shoot it once. Done. Done. If you brace yourself, you can go daka daka nuts. If you've got, a, if you've pulled out that big five or a four, stand still and just shred things. Oof, that is because the Urson repeater linked, special, brutal, and overcharged. So on the crit, you... overcharged. A weapon with this quality gains the disrupt and hazardous qualities for the duration of that action. If the way friend already has both of those, it gains lethal as well. Well, thankfully it doesn't have that, so it's dis so it's slapping down, disrupt, and hazardous. Well, there's there's all your metal gone in a flash. Yep. Very. Disrupt, very of course. If you're if you're mechanical or a construct, that's a nightmare. You can't get back because you, you can't get you can't use. Um, various things that the undead can do i think you can't you can't come back from that with uh resurrect i think what it's if it's awful for you so yeah that's nasty and of course a juiced axe is also overcharged and has decapitate on it yep which is nasty and like she's i mean uh aim is not great but still with that amount of firepower she probably doesn't care that her aim's crap <laughs> but fight six again it's, it's not great, but it's not it's not bad. And Frenzy. So she's smacking yep. with that axe. <laughs> and she starts rolling the tens. Yep, she's just like... And she's a death away. dealer as well. Oh my god. Oh god. So when engaged, successful hits by this unit are, are cause further automatic... So that's the equivalent of brutal in close combat. Yep. Oh, gold. Yep, nasty. Uh, so next we're going to move on to somebody that I know you are a big fan of, which is Mr. Garrett Morden. Oh, I love this guy. I just love him for the mystery of him. There's so little written about him. He just says the insidious Garrett Morden. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that's all you get. And then you've got this utterly stunning, stunning, so casually posed model. He's got one hand on his walking stick, the other adjusting, adjusting his spectacles, his dark in spectacles, with his fantastic suit on, and he just looks like a complete. Can I? Can, I don't. We don't swear often in this, but can I say he looks like a complete bastard? <laughs> this this is a guy who would absolutely sell his mother to if it gave him an advantage. But at the same time, very respectable looking. He's mentioned in the Union Fluff as a friend, our friend Garrett Morden, who knows about this, that, and the other, etc., etc. Mister Mister Morden is everywhere. When I say Mister Morden, if you're a fan of the old series Babylon Five, that name should ring a bell. And I really do think that's where his influence is coming from. He's the sneaky, poisonous whisper in your ear, asking, "What do you want?" But the price is always a bit too high. 
And if you look at his abilities on his card, you've got they all tie in very well with that kind of personality. We've got Rabble Rouser, Rapport, Compel. Also, he's got the Dark Council. He's yeah. very much that insidious, um, slimy guy behind the throne, mo- moving pieces and then disappearing off before the, before things get bad. What also, mo- I've just noticed he's also now got the uh, crown as a faction he can be attached to for Lost World Exodus so that's very interesting oh I hadn't noticed that yet there there it is the little the little icons there Uh, the word crown yep he can work for the union the hex and the crown playing playing off against each other happily a specialist yeah that's really interesting so when Lost World Exodus comes out, he's definitely got a place if you're picking up the crown. So, yeah, and with his agent trait as well, um, there's so many yes. posse slots that can take an agent. Yeah. So you can, he can drop into quite a lot of different posses. He can turn up just about anywhere. And he with is. his abilities to bring uh, angry mobs and civilians, plus his compel and his dark council, he's a. It's somebody you definitely want to consider. I mean, he is at 115 points. You're definitely going to want to consider if you can take that agent slot and you've got the model. Mm-hmm. He's got two something a bit well. different. Yeah, that would be definitely somebody you'd want to pick. Yeah, he's in the um, Dark Council box, isn't he? He comes, yes, he comes with the third man, so yes. Absolute power. Absolute power, sorry, you're right. Right, so the next guy we're going to talk about is Cemetery Criminal. Um, We already touched him a little bit. He's very much a mess-with-you-completely character. Um, Pretty much every one of his rules is designed to screw with your deck, um, to, to make sure, it, yeah, to make sure he's getting what he needs, um, it, blocking line of sight with his smoke grenades. He's got portals as well. He is very much a support role. Um, he's a little bit, a little bit fragile. He's still got metal and quicken the dead and stuff. Though he's not, he's not super. He's not like hands easy to kill. No, but he's only got a grit of five. You want to keep him in the back because his job is he's got portals, he's got the absorbing essence, uh, he needs to be within six inches to do that, so he's got to come up to the front a bit. But yeah, he's he's your support guy. He's going to be making a nightmare for anyone else trying to get at your posse. Yeah, you want to you want to probably have him follow up behind um, Jack Santiago, like just as a. Uh, guy there backing him up and yeah making sure that he's getting all the buffs that he needs absolutely you just yeah you would that put those two together yeah that'd be a wrecking ball because yep. you'd, you'd pile into jack and get all your and also next thing you know you want no fortune because he's because uh cemetery criminals absorbed all your essence yeah you're not gonna walk away from that in a hurry no definitely not he's also a really nice like he's all of the ones in the um, court in the Zombu box, like if you're a like golden demon standard painter, stuff that you could do with the feathers and the coat and the the bone, 
just yeah he, he's got a certain level of swagger on him uh he reminds yeah. me i think it's deliberate he reminds me of uh the bond film live and let die i think that's very clearly deliberate who's next castor and pollux oh oh such lovely models yep castor and pollux um are dr Beitel's two dogs two lovely um, good dogs Doggies, yes. So they, there's, they're, they're horrific, and at the same, I'm looking at Castor right now, and there's sort of a tragedy to his big slobbering face. Uh, he looks so sad, and at the same time, absolutely terrifying. And you get the sort of sense, looking at both their cards and what they look like, you kind of get the sense that when they're not tearing somebody to shreds, they're just sitting in Victor's lap, drooling on him and going, love you, just like dogs do. Um, They're Victor's own personal big doofuses. But at the same time, ooh, you don't want to fake because they are terrifying models. They both have identical rules. I don't think there's any difference between them. Literally, it's just their artwork that's different. Uh, Ball rush, so they can just charge into things and knock you flying. So next, another very interesting individual, Longtree, who is another guy that seems to fit in absolutely everywhere. Oh, another man of mystery. This is what this is why I like the, the backstory. They don't give you everything; they tease it and let yep. you fill in the story. But what's interesting about Longtree? is if you look at his uh, card and his traits okay it gives you it lists what who he can work for. so it says he's he's an outlaw he's hex and he's warrior nation now he is literally the only person able to do that the warrior nation would not normally tolerate the hex in any way shape or form but there it is you've got warrior nation and hex right next to each other yeah uh, so clearly i'm he's X, he's Warrior Nation at some point. He has gone over to the Hex and maybe come back, saved himself somehow, or been saved like in, in a manner similar to Walks looking. Who knows? Uh, but we, and he's got the, and his model's got the plague mask on, so you can't see his face, but we can see from the artwork his eyes are glowing. So something's clearly amiss under that mask. And it says in the fluff on the box because he's part of the Dead or Alive posse, isn't he? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the. It says no, very few have seen his face and lived to tell about it. So, so much mystery going on. Um, how can you not want that as a story? To, and if you're interested in the stories, how can you not be interested in what is his backstory? <laughs> if you're in certain dog breeds, you'll be well aware of that. Well aware of that ability in dog yep. and loyal companion. Uh, this unit may only make combat actions with weapons and special quality if within four inches of the boss. So that's kind of a, a negative. Uh, so the frenzied attack, they have to be within four inches of their boss to do that. Furthermore, while this unit is within four inches of the boss, should that boss be nominated as initial target, this unit may choose to make an immediate reaction and become the initial target instead. So they are basically meat shields for Victor. Yeah, and they're, they're pretty... Um solid choices I mean yeah. grit six metal and durable yeah. so even if they are meat shielding and you've got two of them to deal with you're not going to take them down in a hurry no they are going to be difficult to deal with 
and then with mutation as well yeah you're gonna bring bring them back back. (laughs) so you know then you've got to deal with them all over again (laughs) slightly less potent but still no thank you (laughs) oh who's a good boy you're a good boy you're a good boy Right, so uh, next is Creature, who is the third man's loyal hex beast bodyguard. Yeah, you're, he's in the support. I thought he was in Legendary, but he's actually in support. Yep. yep. He's, but he is he? a Legendary. Oh no, he's had Legendary no, taken off him. He used to be Legendary, and now he's not. Interesting. Ah. I wonder if that because we did once Joe there was going to be a unrobed creature who would be legendary legendary creature, but now he's lost his leg. Maybe there's going to be a legendary creature. Interesting. Ooh, I'm sure I'm not right. I'm sure I'm right on this. He used to be legendary. I don't remember him being legendary, if I'm honest. But if somebody has the old books or the old cards printed out anywhere. Uh, be interesting to see if it was legendary. I might have. Uh, I, I would have to dig that up, but I think I may have still got a copy of the 108 cards buried in my Google Drive somewhere. But anyway, so creature. Again, a lovely model. Um, he's all mouth. If you look at him closely, is literally he looks a bit like Mumra, I think, with the hood and the skeletal face, and then his chest is basically mouth. Yep. And he's got bandages on, and there's horrible boily things sticking out the top of his trousers, his bandaged trousers. <laughs> so he's pretty gross looking to look at. Yeah, and on the table, oh boy, you do not want to be near him. Because he's got swallow hole rule. Yep. Which um, is nasty. Yep. So special, heavy, fatal, small base initial targets only. Pierce 3, minus uh, rate of attack 1. Down you go. Yeah. What else has he got? Volatile, so if you kill him, he explodes. And everybody gets on fire. Which it could work to your favour if he's right near the right near the third man when he does it. Um, Loyal companion, so yeah, just just like we've just had with Castor and Pollux. Um, he's he stays within four inches of his boss. And can be used as a meat shield, which is with a grit of seven, tough, unstoppable, and durable. You're not taking him down in a hurry. And hardy, so he's re-rolling all his failed grit checks. Oh my life! Yeah, so, yeah. He he's not going to be difficult to get, take. Uh, he is going to be difficult to take down. And when you do take him down, kaboom! Um, so <laughs> and then back he comes again. <laughs> yeah. It's like ah, oh, you thought I was dead. You thought I exploded, but no. Right, so we already have you seen this model? Have you seen this model? It's one model I definitely have not seen in person. Have you seen? I it? have seen it in person. Yes, it's lovely. It's another one of those models that's. Um, it, it you can tell it's an older sculpt, but you still it the quality is there and it looks really nice when it's painted well. It's just it just looks amazing. Like the, the, the whole hooded, hunched. Yeah, great, great model. So the Hexalith is your teleport anchor. So even more teleporty goodness if you can bring Hexalith, and many of the models can, all the Dark Council can. Is it the Dark Council that gives you that rule? It is. Yeah, Dark Council gets one for free. One for free, and others can bring them as uh, uh, 
where you can be spectral summoning. Yes. You can put uh, spirit apparitions in there. And if you've ever come across a spirit apparition on the table, it's not something you forget in a hurry. They are essentially um, homing, homing melee missiles. Once they get into melee, there isn't a lot left for the, for anything left to play with afterwards. Um, they don't last long on the board, but they will slaughter anything they hit. Yeah, they're, they're very much glass cannons. The other really something you need to keep an eye on if someone's brought hexliths is the node of power rule. Strategics, can't you? Is it yep. no, not, not strategic, no, profane ness is strategic. Oh. Artifacts. Yes, that's You can bring hexliths with artifacts. There are a couple of different models available, and you can collect them all by getting the different posses. There is the standard Screaming Rock. Which you can buy separately. Yeah, which you can buy separately. There's the Crystal One, which comes with... Is it Lucretia into two, but it comes with Crystal One? Yes, that's the one. And there's the Gnarl Tree One, which comes with Marine's Posse Box, isn't there? Yes. If I remember <laughs> rightly. Yeah, they all look great. Yep, they are all uh, really nice. All really nice and very, very useful because it's a it's a solid on the board teleport that I don't think you can get rid of very easily. So you can be hopping your your force up the board very rapidly to get in the face of the others. And of course, the other side can't use it. Yep. Online portals, which anyone can use. Hexalith, I don't think you can. And Hexalith uh, also has a separate function, don't they? Oh, it, yeah. It regains fortune chips. Faster every turn. Uh, this unit regains fortune chips to its starting value at the start of each resolution phase. Okay, and this unit may allow a friendly unit within 10 inches to spend fortune chip from this unit. So it's a fortune bank yep. that you can spend from. So it's only got one fortune, but that could be the difference between a character going off the table and a character staying on the table. Yeah, and it can be used by if you've got no boss anymore, if you've got no face anymore, and the grit six as well, so you're not going to take them out. And if you're focusing on them, you're not focusing on something that can attack back. Yeah. So it's it, it's it, it's part of that whole distraction, um, and it's the sort of whole risk or reward strategy. Yes, it's that whole risk or reward that's like throughout the entire fiber of the game. Any friendly unit within ten inches can spend the fortune chip however they like so it, it could be very useful for something like hands units or support units that you either take it on and stop somebody from getting fortune you leave it and that fortune could benefit somebody you know can save someone's life later it's that it you know finding that balance really clever and the other option you have as a hex hex force is the profane nest which it fulfills most of the functions of the uh, Hexlith, uh, it's, but it doesn't have the fortune storage ability, so essentially it's a teleport hub. I think it's got... it's got hidden reserves. Oh, so you can plug that down in the middle, and then any when you're deploying from your reserve, you, instead of deploying in deployment zone, you can start popping out the profane nest. Yep. Oh, that's yep. nasty. Yes, that is really nasty. Because <laughs> obviously, obviously players know this, and they're going to stay well away from that profane nest. Yeah, and but I, I think... you can start spamming models out of that from your reserve. That would be very unpleasant. Yeah, and if I remember rightly, I think it's Marina Vaux 
who, if you have something with a profane nest, if you're near it, you become shrouded. So it makes Ooh. them even more like tempting. So you can pop that in the middle of the board, pop out, stay near it, and you'll be shrouded as well. I'm not sure if it's Marie Laveau. I can't remember who it, it is. Might be, it might be Lucretia de Tuba because they use profane nests as well. Quite possibly, yeah. It, it's one of those, and it's just sort of like a nice little extra uh, cherry on top of the cake for them. <laughs> yes. Another reason. Unfortunately, at the moment, there are no models for this. Unless I've missed that. I don't think there are. Yeah, no, it's not released, so yeah. No. Um, but from the artwork, basically you've got a sort of mechanical hole in the ground. Yeah, yeah, some sort of mechanical hellhole. There we go. We've gone through all the <laughs> characters and things that we wanted to touch on. I mean, there are a lot more in the he on the Hex faction. We just want to talk, touch on some of the more interesting characters that we've got. Yep. Our personal sort of picks. There are, like Sam says, there's a lot of other characters. And again, all that backstory is either in the the Wild West Exodus book or on the the store. There is a ton of lore there for you to go through. Um, so highly suggest just go and have a have a read because it's well worth it. Um, we've sort of touched them already, but there are only really a couple of faction specific rules. Dark Council is the main one, um, which you take a Hexleth just for free. It also allows you to compel um, any tainted unit. Yep. Um, Within eight inches. Yep. So it lets you, like, if you've got a um, Hex Beast or any, any tainted unit, you can just compel that to an extra. Also very handy. Lots of, for example, if you take it against an outlaw force, you'll be there'll be lots of tainted opponents that you can suddenly really ruin your really ruin your opponent player's day by suddenly doing but compelling them to suddenly uh, blow the brains out of one of their one of their compatriots. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, for example, I think Joey Manco is uh, tainted. If you pull that off. She's got double double magnum pacemakers, two shots at minus four pierce. That could make a really nasty dent in someone else's day. Yeah, I can think of quite a few tainted people. Like um, there's a couple of the tombstone guys that are tainted, I believe. Oh no, wait, Virgil is Virgil is, but um, I was thinking Meccano up. Uh, was tainted, but he's not because he's using the Tesla technology. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not tainted, but still. But you could, if you get on Virgil, that would make a right mess because he's the sniper. Yeah. Suddenly having Virgil suddenly take decide to blow Wyatt's brains out from the back of, through the back of his head. Yeah. If you're lucky. It's uh, it's a very nice little rule, and it's bringing units back to life. There's personal uh, zombie. Kirsten is on move. The others are all around the, the same sort of theme. Dr. Bytles. Uh, yeah. Or Mutagenesis. Sorry. Yes. So they both have roughly the same ability. Spend a fortune point to bring um, a particular unit back. So whether it's a zombie or a mutation. 
So you can, yeah, there are face, hands, or support units destroyed within six inches. But immediately before the tank checks are made, you may bring D5 of those models back. Yeah. So, so if it's a face, you're back. always going to... Uh, if it's a hands unit, you're going to get some of them back at least. And that's pretty much all the, the fashion specific rules I can think of. There's also a hex bolt, which is a fairly common weapon. Yeah. Which can... Again, that's just a weapon. It's not really a rule. It's a, a no, weapon. It's, it, it's more of a, a general weapon than they used quite a bit. So, what would you say are your favourite three models out of the Hex range currently? Okay. Uh, my favourite three models are probably going to be Garrett Morden, just for the sheer cool of his pose and who he is. Uh, I, I, I just love that little. I just love that guy. Um, Carly is probably my favourite from a disturbing point of view, from the pain she looks in and the grotesqueness of the model, and it all horrifically looks realistic. How her limbs have sprouted out of her sides, and how it's, how she's turned upside down to to be the spider's body instead of being face down, she's face up. I, I, I love all the horrific aspects of that. And ooh, my final pick for favourite model. Um, do, 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 I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's one of the big ones. I'm gonna go with OP because I think you'll probably go with one of the others. Yeah. All right. Were you planning on going with OP? No, I was planning on one of this. OP is definitely a very good pick. I would say top five. Yeah. Uh, but not top three for me. Okay, so I'm going to go with OP because, again, an, an enormous model, fantastically detailed. It's all stitched up, bits of metal st stuck into it. Uh, the detail there is stunning. Just stunning um, from the from the teeth and the way the mouth works. So it, it's part snake, part crocodile in the mouth. All the biomechanical stuff going all the way down right through to the the detail of having a cage with a girl in it, which is either bait for a hero or a snack for OP or possibly both. Um, brilliant mod. Yeah. Your turn. Your top three. So my top three are probably creature for certain like i said before mm. i just looked a hunched over really sort of intimidating pose because he's a big like he's deceptively big as well uh, he just looks really like intimidating he's not he, he it's not the sort of lurching forward screaming crazy sort of pose it's that very quiet restrained pose. restrained sort yeah. of um, you can explode into horror at any moment yeah like he he literally just somebody runs up to him and he just pulls them in half with very little effort he just he just looks scary um lurks he looms yes looms that's a very good word definitely very um looming death Next would be Locus. Um, who doesn't love a cybernetic bear with double miniguns? I don't. If you don't, I mean, fair enough, but come on. Really. <laughs> you, it's, it's a one bear. Of you'd just own to paint it, wouldn't you? Oh, God, it just. I mean, it's one of those models where I think 
that you can either put like a, a lot of effort in and look, make it look amazing but I think even as someone who was a um, average painter you, you don't have to do a lot to her to make her look good because there's a lot of metallics on there the fur is basically a base coat a wash dry brush and it will look good like and, and the other reason is that um, it's probably one of the few models where I'll actually do a voice for her because if she dies and I resurrect her somehow I, I'm gonna go I'll be back there's, there's no that's rare for you. You, you, you it, rarely, you rarely do that sort of humour when when we're playing games. Yeah, I look it's rare, to this. But It's definitely, it's needed. I mean, I don't know if, if she fits under any of those conditions to bring her back, but I mean, it like get to the chopper stuff. It's just going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, lastly, is Vorket. Like I said, when we were talking about him, I, I just enjoyed painting him, and he's come out so lovely. And he just looks as intimidating as he's, you expect him to be like this big, massive, mutated mole rat who just has an insatiable appetite. He can't, he can't be, you know, sated at all. He just, again, it's that stoic fear just standing still chewing on half a torso he looks scary I, I just I really enjoyed painting him as well so that's my top three yeah. let us know your top three in the on the uh, Markov dossier pages who's your top three hex models and we'll love to discuss that with you yeah definitely be very interesting to hear everybody's top three so let's talk a little bit about future releases what we know is coming so we know as we've talked about it before that like in the future we've seen a little bit of art for it um we know it's coming because carcos rex is one of those models that's in the classics range is that the king in yellow box for the hex is is due to be out at some point soon yeah uh, i say soon that's soon air quotation marks soon not soon <laughs> as in we know it's going to be coming out like, oh, actu yeah. actually soon. If only we knew that. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, as soon as that box comes out, I'm buying it. I don't care how. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm yet to see the models. I like Carcosa Rex. I like Locus. The art I've seen for the um, other character that's going to one of the other characters in the box, really yeah. like the look of that. So I'm expecting it to be very um, anthropomorphic large animal guys yes with a possible um, looking I'm just I'm just trying to find his artwork because I have got it saved somewhere the artwork for the one glimpse we've seen of one of the here it is Maculus okay uh, we'll, we'll put this on the page we have got it was posted always oh, ages ago and i nicked it and nicked it down a partial view of one of looks like one of roberto's line drawings yep. of a character um we can just see it says hex king and it says ma ma for a while we didn't know what it what meant what the name would be locus's fluff mentions a character called maculus 
So we made the leap that this is probably Maculus. Uh, he's kind of amphibian-looking, frog-looking. Uh, what he reminds me of is from the original Thundercats cartoon. He reminds me of Slythe. You could also say he's possibly Merman from MOTU. Somewhere in there, he's got fins around his face, so he's definitely an aquatic, aquatic feel there. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mix of sort of some sort of aquatic, newty, lizardy sort of guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Suffice to say, suffice to say, he's not good looking. No, definitely not. He's not winning a beauty contest in uh, no. Death Valley or anything. Um, but the fact that he looks like that may, makes me wonder if he looks a bit like Slive, maybe the other members of the King in Yellow could be, look like some of the other mutants from Thundercats. So we might have a Monkey Man, we might have a Vulture Man, we might have a one that looks like a jackal and that might fit so we're getting because that's what they are they're at the end of their carcosa so we're getting the different animal groups we've got an amphibian we've got a bird we've got a canine we've got a bear already and so on and so on so we might see different animals in there that's my theory it's going to be the mutants from thundercats in uh, inspiration yeah it, it, i think inspired and i think maybe like in uh, crosses with Master of the Universe characters potentially, and maybe even some like original stuff like I don't know what what other beasts. What other beasts are out in the? We've already got a Wendigo. I'm sure there's another like mythical creep, like American, like a Sasquatch style. Uh, oh yeah, we could definitely see a Sasquatch. Because um, we've got a Wendigo already, so yeah, something yeah. like that, a Bigfoot, Sasquatch, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what other characters are in. Hopefully, it won't be too long. Nothing since. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Carcosa Rex is like an older, older model. He's had the um, Christmas as well. So, in theory, hopefully, soon. Soon, soon. Not soon. TM soon. The other Hex Posse that we know just a very, very little about is the protein posse and when i say we know little about it we have literally seen two pieces of artwork that's it yeah that is it and they're very sort of swamp dwelly post apocalyptic mad max style looking guys yeah they're guys one of them's a woman i believe <laughs> possibly yes <laughs> potentially <laughs> i think i think wrecker is a woman yes i think it's one of the few older works of art that we've seen the art for but nothing so we've got two pieces of artwork one is a male and it just says protean elder um top hat sort of respirator gas mask sort of looks like a skin his face is definitely not human it looks like a skinned primate for a face with hair around it and some sort of mace weapon with a power lead running from it. So something electrical, something very painful looking in his weapon there. Great big stonking boots on. Yep, very, very swamp dwellery, very cool. Here, the other one is a female called Rekka, who interestingly has a little collection of has a collection of Corcaroli face masks. She's wearing one on her head. Yep. 
So if she's wearing a corcoroli face mask, she's going to be quite big. Yeah, and she's corcoroli a medium base, aren't they? Yes, at least, so she's so. going to be at least medium base to fit that on. And she's yep. carrying an absolutely massive cannon. Again, we'll put these on the page when we're done. Yeah. It's also worth noting she's got claws on her feet and hands. Now, whether mm. they are something look... that she's taken as trophies and, and using... No, they look, actually look like her feet. Yeah. Big, chunky legs wrapped up in sort of tattered rags... But I think those. I think she's some sort of. She has some sort of mutation thing going on. Yeah. It's a very jungle punk. It's probably. Oh yeah, jungle. I like that jungle punk. Yeah, with the with the feathers coming off. Yeah, the sort of tribal style clothing, but the um, cockroly weapons and the armor bits. Yeah. Um, so with that, I mean the fact that she's wearing Corcoroli stuff and carrying some of their weapons kind of hints to me that the uh, Protean Posse may be the counter for the Hex against the Corcoroli. These will be your Corcoroli's worst nightmare. Yep, definitely. That's that's definitely what it, it it's being sort of shown as. Yeah. yeah. They're an very anti-order, so it'd be interesting to see if they've got a lot of. Um, what's the what's the anti-corcoroli that they don't like? Uh, uh, the soul hunters are pretty anti-corcoroli because they use a tuned on their weapons, which means they punch through for most most corcoroli armor. Yeah, attuned is the what the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I imagine they have a few attuned weapons to to get through that corcoroli armor and smash them up. Smash them up good. Yeah, because the Corcoroli need, ta need taking a peg down or two. Far too hard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. So that's wild speculation over, because literally we just pulled that out of just two line drawings. Yep. Uh, and now to go even wilder, wilder speculation. Well, it's not really speculation. Uh, it's more what we'd like to see. What would we like to see in the future for the hex. Okay, do you want to go first? Because I've got a definite idea, which you, you know where I'm going with that one. Yep. Um, so for me, one of the two things I would really like to see are, firstly, uh, a legendary Carcosa Rex. Um, I would just like him to see like super meaty, like bigger horns, more curled. Um, just like a really monstrous version of him. Um, not sure if that'll ever come because I know it's been said that not every boss or every character like face or anything is definitely yeah. going to get uh, a legendary version. But I would really, really like to see a legendary version of him. And also, I'd like to see, um, and this kind of fits in with what you, you sort of noticed earlier, but I would like to see a legendary version of the third man which potentially would mean a legendary version of creature accompanying him in the in a single box um i'm not exactly sure how you'd make him legendary my how much more dangerous can he get well i mean this is the thing is that he's he'd have to be like a really high point cost but having 
have him on some sort of floating platform oh yeah something like that just like more robed um and then have creature just maybe give him more arms or i don't know just make him generally bigger and his mouth like gaping wide open i'm not sure but they're two things i'd really like to see for the future those are good calls for me what I'd like to see and we've already had a slight hint of this both in the theatre as we mentioned earlier um, we had the shepherdess who was a fallen watcher but we also have now released with the latest cerulean pack the cerulean nightmare which is a cerulean that has been affected by the hex and gone bonkers Uh, my goodness what a model that is uh, I've not seen it in person yet, but the model, the photos I've seen of it from the websites and uh, those who have put one up, that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's a really nice model. It is a very nice model. I especially like the detail of the, the three faces and one of them with the multiple jaws all biting under the, under each other. Uh, that's particularly horrific and reminds me of um, Salvador Dali paintings and uh, Geiger stuff. It is yep. really good. But somewhere out there, it is in, I believe, if they exist, there is more Fallen Watchers to the Hex. And as I said, I'm, call- I'm for now calling them Lurkers until someone calls me, calls me, <laughs> comes up with a better name than that for them. But that's what I want to see. Tainted, tainted Watchers. Yeah, I love that idea. It's great. It's fantastic. I, I like the, just looking at like all my watches stuff in the cabinets and just making some of those more hexy something look really really cool there is as you had two ideas the the, the other idea i'd like to see is like i this probably will not happen but have the hex have some sort of influence in dystopian wars um i'm thinking along the lines of babylon if you've watched babylon 5 when they bring out the shadow Earthship hybrids, where they've used shadow tech and basically the Earth, the Earth spaceships have got tentacles all over them. There's bound to be some scientist somewhere who's mad enough to let a hex run rampant over a ship to see what happens. Yeah, and you get some sort of horrendous flesh ship hybrid. Um, you'd only have one or two of these in a fleet, uh, sail out and just unleash hell. And a part of you know, the Sultanate wouldn't use them because they have the strong ties of the Order. The Union and the Enlightened definitely would try to use that. I think they, the Union, would be arrogant enough to think they could control it. The Enlightened are, of course, crazy enough to try that. Uh, I think that would be way down the line when we've got all the regular stuff out and all the flying stuff. Start getting into the weird aspect of the dystopian age and bringing out something nasty, nasty. Yeah, I'd really like to see that. But for me, I'd really like to see it come out of the uh, Celestian Empire. I'd like to see them as some sort of assault boat, like you say, with tentacles or something. Have them called, uh, I think it's Yaogui, is the Chinese for demon. Those sort of Chinese demon-y sort of things. Um, Maybe a pirate faction, because obviously the Celestian Empire themselves wouldn't allow the wouldn't allow them to go dark like that but maybe yeah if they could bind it bind it what they would call demon spirits to a boat or a pirate a pirate faction a mercenary faction yeah that'd work yeah i'd really like to see that that'd be very cool 
Um, and I think, like you said, Union uh, and Enlightened. I mean, Enlightened is almost certainly going to have some sort of tentacle monster boat with our shadow of a doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like tentacle. Bo- yeah, I got them. <laughs> yeah, got got like shipyards full of them. <laughs> Can't shift them. They're just yeah. people. Do you want do you want mechanical tentacle, biomechanical tentacle, or just pure organic tentacle? <laughs> And do you, what colour do you want it in? We've got we've got a bog off sale. We, we can't get rid of. From the pages of the Interbellum Illuminator, the latest field intel. Yes, just dropped this very morning. Uh, and another spoiler alert. This time, um, it's very clearly some enlightened battleships but you've got some theories i've got some very interesting theories i hope what we can see you've seen i'm sure most of us have seen the spoiler now is we can clearly see two enlightened battleships we could see the front end of what's clearly a discartes and the back end of another battleship which is probably a hypathia class but i'm wondering what if it isn't the hypathia class because we can only see literally the back end what if it's a carrier? What if the front end of that is completely different? I'm also looking at the fact we can see the back end of two cruisers in that. Um, they're both kitted out. What looks like one's kitted out Antarctica style with the main with the main pulse beam cannon on it and an etheric lance at the back. And I'm wondering if, well, they could be the standard cruisers, but what if they're possibly the other cruisers that we haven't had yet, which is the Plinius class and, I can't remember the name of it, but something Merchantman, which is their support vessel. Because again, we can't see the front end. And all the Enlightened stuff at the back looks the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, it could just be a standard battle fleet box with the two with the two two cruisers, two battleships, their job, job's done. But I wonder if they're just teasing us just a little bit and maybe, maybe, maybe there's something different in there. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a weird choice to have both the battleships in the same box. You'd expect but, that to be more expensive, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, potentially, but it may be two boxes. There may be, like you say, there might be diff- different cruises in there. It might be a little bit less expensive. There's only one cruiser sprue, maybe. Uh, it, it, I mean, these are the things with the two teasers. They, they sort of make you ask questions and wonder how is this how is this going to work what's the what's the new thing potentially and, and how is it going to work and where where does it fit in with everything else and also interestingly that also means that we look if our guests are about the other fleet box that we've seen the union one is we're going to get two at least two full fleet boxes next is it the next yeah. month yeah. rather than just the one be interesting because it'll be like around roughly around six months since its release yeah so yeah, yeah. maybe they're having like a bumper dystopian wars month that, well, that uh, would have so that doesn't bode well for wild west exodus next month but no, no. i'm good with that <laughs> yeah it's it, it like it's a trade-off isn't it like they can't yeah. they, they can't produce everything otherwise you know we'd all be broke so um yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's very interesting, like you say. We, we've, you can't see enough to be a hundred percent certain. That's definitely yeah. the the high pace here and the um, Discartes. Discartes or Descartes. 
I did think. Is it Descartes or Descartes? Because Descartes, because they're all named after um, philosophers. Philosophers, and Descartes is spelt Descartes. Okay, I I, I am aware of uh, I was I just assumed you you pronounced it Descartes. <laughs> assumed he was assumed he was Greek. Is Descartes French? He sounds French. It is French, yeah. Uh, that that'd be what I go. I've just been saying that wrong then. <laughs> yeah, it only literally occurred to me today when this popped up. I was I was like, oh, if that'd be. Um... Randomly, I was watching uh, a bit of Monty Python, and then they did the uh, philosopher's song, and they said Descartes, and I was like, "Oh, hang on a second, <laughs> we we've been pronouncing it wrong all this time." I'm sure somebody will, will um, correct us. Yes, has, anyone, has anyone got a philosophy major? <laughs> Can they tell us how you pronounce that? <laughs> I'm probably pronouncing Hypatia wrong as well now. Uh, probably, it's it's probably, probably Fred. <laughs> Yeah, it's the Fred class. Yep, Bob, <laughs> Billy Bob class. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that's not what they'll call the US stuff. It'll be. It'll be. Um... No, they'll be. They'll. They'll be. Nate, well, we know something like Constitution, Yorktown, that sort of thing. They'll be Enterprise. Nice. Enterprise class. Yes, sir. It is the. En- I can't do. I can't do Chekhov's voice. It is the Enterprise. <laughs> Understood, Chekhov. So, so last week you you decided to butcher the Russian language, and now you're just openly mocking the Russians. Hey, hey, hang on! Walter Koenig did it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm doing a Walter Koenig impression. <laughs> That's fair. That's acceptable. Right. So, return the, the welcome return of yet another spoiler. With all these spoilers, you are spoiling us. In this one, we got a very brief look at a appears to be a, a downward-facing rotor and a sort of cylindrical end of a aircraft of some sort, which had us very, very, very confused to begin with. Yeah, and it took us a little while to identify it, but it was eventually identified. It matches the line art drawing from the Union Orbat of a flyer that of the drawing of the flyer that's in the middle of it and then there was some spec well what is it because we couldn't work out what it was and eventually we worked out if you look on the orbat's main rules it was acron observer acron observer rotor that's what we worked out is that's mentioned on the orbat right at the start on the special rules page they use acron observers so I asked Stuart, so how big is this? Because I, I guess it would probably be a Cranoplan size. And Stuart's told me it's much smaller mm-hmm. than a Cranoplan. So this is a small model. And if you look on the artwork on the wallpapers for the Constitution Battle Fleet, they are right there. We couldn't, we didn't, we all missed it. I, I then thought I had to have a look. And that, yep, they're there. They're actually on the artwork, hovering above the ships. There's two of them on this on the artwork. Um, so that's what we think of, which is a bit surprising. We weren't expecting Union to be the release for that month. We thought we'd got it nailed down to what the re- release order would be uh, for a process of elimination. And we thought it was good. We actually thought, what do you think was going to be for that month? We thought it was going to be. Um, it was um, talked about that the Crown was going to be released in July. So it's going to be interesting to see if there will be a Union fleet and a Crown fleet, or if the Crown's been pushed back for some reason. It I'm may open. have been July, August time. Um, that My son wants both, so it's going to be expensive either way. 
Yeah, if he, both come out at the same time, it's going to be. Yeah, he's 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 dead set on both. Yeah. Um, I know you want Crown as well. Yes, I do. He, he's like, I want, I want the, I want that. I want uh, to get the Empire. I've got enough enlightened. I want to get the Empire mm-hmm. uh, fleets as well. And I have, still haven't got around to getting a hold of Ningjing, and I've got, I kind of got to get a hold of it before. Um, Congo gets out because otherwise it's just going to get ridiculously expensive. But my son's going, yeah, I want, I want that one, and I want that one, and it's all right for him. He's eleven; he can say what he wants, and he doesn't have to actually think about how he can afford it. Because yeah. I have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! How how bad I have I have an excuse to buy more models. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's so that's what we think the release is. We it's it's going to be Union, and it's going to be Battlefleet Constitution. Yeah, so, it, it's probably going to be a sprue with two to three cruisers on, those, yeah. a couple of Akron observers, and a couple of frigates, uh, I guess. And it's interesting the Akrons are the first escorts that we've seen in the game as well. So that's also yeah. interesting that some of the element we haven't seen yet. And by by sheer coincidence, before that was posted, literally about two days before. My Facebook timeline said, "Oh, two years ago you were at UKGE," and I posted a load of pictures from the Dystopian Wars game that we played then, which all happened mainly. We were playing Union versus Latin Alliance, so everyone was going, "Oh yeah, look, there's Union boats. That's great!" And then this spoiler alert dropped, and oh my god, the, <laughs> the Union are yeah. coming! It was almost as if I knew something. I swear I didn't. It was just coincidence that I had to post those. But yeah, so I think everyone's been going over those pictures, going, "Oh, do they still look like?" I've no idea if they still look like yeah. that. <laughs> that's what um, we played with two years ago <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing is it you know they may have changed a little bit i don't imagine they've changed a lot but um it's gonna have a battleship there's a constitution battleship on the orbat so i imagine that's going to be the main initial sort of build i yeah. imagine it's going to be a the constitution box at a guess two crew two cruisers uh and what four frigates is the usual usual combination isn't it yep so that's the news that we know of coming for Dystopian Wars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last thing on our agenda for tonight is Shock Horror. I uh, actually managed to get a game in with my son. We've um, we finally managed to get Dystopian Wars on the table. We cleared the decks, made sure my other my other my daughter was entertained with mother etc we got let's put the table out and put dystopian walls and literally we just stuck it on the tablecloth no cover or anything like that grabbed some models and had a quick well what turned out to be a quite a quick game of two turns uh, and played the rules just to get a feel of the rules and i really really enjoyed it it's the rules felt familiar they're there's not they're not the same as the wild west exodus cross rules at all but I got the turn sequence down quite quickly. I knew I was doing you declare targets, etc. It felt very familiar using it. I found that it played well, it played quickly. Um, rules were easy to find in the rule book. I did find that because um, I'd printed out the Orbats, what I did was I stuck on the wall with blue tack the weapons lists and their special yeah. rules. So the first two pages from the Orbats, I stuck to the wall. So that I could just refer to them quickly because we our, my table's quite small, so we didn't have a lot of room to put things out. Yeah. And that's definitely something I'm going to be considering in future when I'm playing. Just make sure I've got those pages and they are stuck somewhere. So I'm mm. not some you know what I'm like. I'm terrible for losing rules. 
Yeah. I'll be going through pain. Where have I put it? Where have I put it? Because I'm so absent-minded. I pick things up. I put them down again when I'm looking for something else. And then it's, I've no idea where I've just done that. So if I, that was easy. I could just turn around and go, right, there's your cannons. This mount of dice. Roll them. And away we went. And we had a great time. Well, my son did. Um, because uh, he absolutely thrashed the backside off me. Uh, he was playing Commonwealth. I was playing Enlightened. One thing we didn't do, I didn't bother pointing it. We just grabbed ships, and I sort of grabbed a similar amount of ships just to kind of make it even. I didn't bother to point it. When I pointed it up afterwards, I was massively outpointed by the Commonwealth. <laughs> and I thought, ah, that's one of the reasons I, lo- I died a lot then. Um, he took, let's see, the Borodino, a Katanga-class cruiser, a Kutsov, an Oleg, and a Norilisk. We put the railgun on the Oleg so he couldn't spam them. I want yeah. to see how bad they were. The Kutsov did have missile launch on it, but it didn't get a chance to fire those because that was the one ship I managed to sink. <laughs> and we also found out how bad, how deadly the Katanga is. There's been a lot of discussion on the lounge about the Katanga being expensive because the cryogenerator isn't actually that good in the rules. It makes these little icebergs. You can't actually fire it to the ship. Um, having faced what it does in a ram, I think we're missing the point. Um, the ram on the Katanga gives 12 dice damage, which you don't get from a normal. If you ram with a normal ship, you just get mass plus speed. Yeah. Okay. With the Katanga, you get mass plus speed plus 12. And a full Ouch. speed is what he ran me into. That was 23 dice. So that's comparable to a very heavy barrage. That's nasty. Yeah, and then my son rolled the dice. And I've posted photos of his dice roll because I just looked at went, are you kidding me? There was just red and there were seven anchors. So, he, of course, you roll another dice when you get an anchor. And he rolled more anchors. And... In total, when we added it up, once all the dice had stopped rolling, 41 hits on a completely unharmed Antarctica. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and it's gone. <laughs> when my Antarctica moved, it got rammed, it died. <laughs> Nasty, very, very nasty. I, obviously, for a regular player, you're not going to be pulling off that kind of dice roll each time with a Katanga. But I think that drill is well worth the points cost you're getting for it. Yeah, by the sounds of it, it's definitely like you use the cryo cruiser to kind of steer your opponent into your ramming arc, so to speak. I would you guess can that's possibly, the... yeah, because you can place it wherever you want. You, you can place it where you want. The thing is, you're more likely to place a small one than you are a big one. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be, if you've got good terrain, because like I said we just had open table, we didn't put your terrain down. So you could use it to block off uh, passageways and so on. But I think, honestly, people are missing the point of that ram is lethal. I don't think, has any other ship got a ram on it yet? No, I think I it's the think first so. one with a ramming prow. Yeah, I know uh, the Crown is supposed to have a lot of ramming prows. So. Yeah that when it comes out but at the moment that was just absolutely devastating mm. okay. um you're just gonna you're, you're not gonna be taking the maroshka you're gonna be taking that and you're just gonna be ramming things at full kill just take it <laughs> like a full damn the top just go go <laughs> I, I i'm just glad he hadn't hit my hypatheia with that because even though i don't even i look i did the maths i don't even think the hypatheia would have stayed afloat 
from 41 minutes. No. It would have sunk it. Prepare for rowing speed. Yeah, that that's a lot of fun. And also, yeah. I, I personally think of the, of the mod of the two of the three choices. I think Katanga's um, the aesthetically nicest of the three models you can build. Yeah, on. I definitely think it's the one I'd go with. Not so much for the game rules, just purely for aesthetics. But if it's also doing that sort of damage on a ramp, then that sounds like the most yeah you go obvious choice. So yeah. yeah, so first impressions. Game went well. I wasn't fretting over rules too much and flicking back and forth through the book. I knew what I was doing. Um, having it pinned up on the wall really helped, and it ran well. I did make some mistakes. I always make mistakes. One of the mistakes I was making was I, when when we were shooting at, shooting at people with two turrets, I was not using the support fire rule for the second turret. I was just hitting us both with the full power of each turret. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back at it, that only makes two dice difference most of the, for most of the shots that I was taking. I still would have lost um, because he's a demon dice roller. I swear, I'm, as soon as the tournament, I'm going to bring him. I'm just going to say, we're team him. Okay, <laughs> he's playing. I'm just standing here making sure he's fine. He's going to roll dice and you're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> no tactic can survive this. Yep. And that's that's the second that all of his luck dries up completely, and it's nothing but blanks for the rest of the tournament. Oh yeah, yeah, that blood will probably happen, and he'll be miserable and never want to play again. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the main rule I got wrong was combining the firepower on the turrets, and I'll tweet that next time. And next time we'll actually use SRS tokens, so I'll get the Descartes, and we'll get the Pavada, and I'll put a launching ramp on my cruisers so that'll make it instead of a antarctica it'll make a ulysses class i think so we yeah. can both have srs pootling around not too many it won't be srs spam because i think the provider can only put out one or two tokens and the ulysses can only put out one token per turn mm. whale is nasty but yeah. we'll, we'll we'll try that so we'll build up the rules as we play and see how it goes and at some point we may meet, I may even see you when we get to play play a game. Yeah, um, hopefully, not. It's like it's looking that way potentially soon. Maybe not. Yes. Not soon, soon, but soonish. Soonish. Um, how did you find the cards? Did you um, find they work just as well as they do in Wild West yeah, Exodus? It's 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 exactly the same mechanic. You've got um, valor and victory, so it's the same as Guts and Glory in the thing. Um, the fact that you get two card decks is very nice instead of just the one that you've got with yep. Wild West Exodus. Um, and it's just so it was just a case of I just had to shuffle them. Although I did drive myself spare at the end of the game because I could have sworn blind these card decks came in their own card holders like they do with Wild West Exodus, a proper box for them to go in. And I'm hunting high and low for these. I'm thinking, where the hell have I put them? And I eventually come to the conclusion that no, they were just wrapped in cellophane. And I'm just imagining this. Yeah, they are just sat wrapped in cellophane. I can because I can see it literally see a deck right now. Um, that's still wrapped in its cellophane. You could have told me that last week when I messaged you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going around the bend at that point. I thought, Scott, he'll have, he'll have one. I messaged you, nothing. You must have gotten better than something. Like, I think I probably had gone bed, to be fair. Uh, um, it was quite late at night by the time. I'd, I'd been searching for quite some time by that point for these for these non-existent card boxes. Yeah, sorry. So they're, now, uh, they're now bound up with laggy bands. Yeah, 
Uh, one thing I did do, because I was concerned that I didn't want to get the card decks mixed up, because obviously the deck is supposed to be unique. So I got a highlighter pen and I coloured all the edges of one of them in highlighter yellow so that I can easily see that's that card deck. And in theory, if I mix them up, I should be able to look down the edge of the card deck and say, oh, no, there's a there's a blank one or there's a there's a, uh, a yellow one, so they're in the wrong deck and I should be able to easily find them in theory. In theory. Yeah. Did you find yourself using the morph of victory or more for valor or was it pretty we only used them. we didn't use the valor i had a bat my valor ones weren't particularly useful for me okay. i you i got to play one card for victory two cards of victory um which was i because i sunk uh, a cruiser a mass two ship in a shooting i had two cards that did that for victory i played both of those i then did not get to play another one because the victory conditions weren't didn't happen and the valor ones I just I either forgot about or didn't need to use them. Um, my son had the same problem. His his were all in but for some reason because we probably not shuffled the deck very well at that point. All of his victory cards were for boarding actions, which right. we didn't get to do. Um, we were just shooting each other left, mm. right, and so. I did think the Katanga would lead to a boarding action because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to ram them, damn, cripple the ship, and then. Board and... board and hopefully take the ship over. That didn't happen. There wasn't enough left of the ship left to board at the end of the day. <laughs> not even not even Kate Winslet could have found a raft from the little bits that were left <laughs> over. <laughs> um, so we didn't do boarding actions. But yeah, I think in essence, the card decks work just as well as they do in Wild XX. Wild XX does that that classic thing of do I use this to get the the uh, bonus to my skill? Do I hold on to it for the victory point? I'm glad I'm glad I got to spend it because they were the only source of victory points that I got. Uh, two two victory points. I mean, technically, at the end of turn one, I was winning, even though I'd lost nearly all of my fleet because my son hadn't managed to rack up a victory point because his cards. But then he gets five victory points for killing every killing everything. Yeah. And that was the end of that, really. But yeah, we loved playing it, and I'm so glad we finally got to do it. It's just, as ever, when you're at home, it's finding the time. Yep. And in our case, the physical space. This is not a big table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully soon we'll be able to play a garden or or something like that, and I'll have my um, Imperium fleet finished, and we can see how that goes. How's that going? I've seen you post. Did you post one picture of a boat? Yeah, I finished one battleship. Is completely dead. Oh, now. you boat. Whoop, whoop! Off we go. You posted one picture of a ship. Yes, I've posted one picture of the ship. My battleship. One of them is done. I've started the other one. Or oh, everything's undercoated. The issue I'm going to have more than anything else is because um, so something really cool that I didn't realise until I actually got the set is I don't need to magnetise. Ah. The they fit neatly into the rails. The little trains that have the weapons on top of them fit so nicely into the the rails on the boat that you don't really need to do anything for them. I mean, if you pick up the boat and you like tick a bit Shake upside it, down, it it, it's going to come off. But that you know. I have the same tr issue with the Enlightened. I don't actually need to magnetise them, but I probably should because otherwise you can knock the bridge off a bit too easily. Yeah, I might blue tack, put a little bit of blue blue tack on on the bottom of them to keep them like in, just in case they get nudged and, and 
get knocked out and I don't have to put them back in again. But yeah, they've gone together really nicely. So you're going to get Temper Hoff as well when it's released. It's already on pre-order. It's already on pre-order. Yeah. Uh, so I know you said you fancied the massive cannon one. Yep. Surely the flat cannon one, the flat boat is tempting you. Uh, no. Not really? it's, it's so devastating from rules wise point it's just devastating there's a ridiculous it, amount of dice being thrown out by it that is thing. a ridiculous amount of dice being thrown out but I just love that big giant cannon it's just too cool <laughs> to pass up it really is just awesome also playing if you're playing enlightened arc is going to be something that I'm definitely going to need to get through the shields although by the sounds of it I just need you sent to roll dice for me and then no problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of your little frigates turns up, shoots his pop gun off, and the pow! There my Hypatia. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you, you can, it shouldn't be physically possible to roll that many anchors. <laughs> <laughs> more yep. dice, nurse! More dice! <laughs> Bring me more. I did think we were going to run out of dice. <laughs> it got to the point where I'm, I, I don't have many more dice left to roll. So I've, I've run out of dice here. Got, I need a calculator or an abacus just to keep track of how many have gone off. Oh dear. Right. I think that's everything we've covered. Right then. Right. So that's everything for this episode. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it again. Uh, we'll see you next time yep thank you very much look forward to talking to you another time file number Z Ocean 1202690 file closed Agent Markov is still at large <laughs>